Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago and joining me here is an empty chair. What? But Whoa. also Jed Brewer, the direction of Mission USA Productions. You know what? I feel like if I don't say this, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. I am so under protest. Wow. So under protest. I mean, I'm talking all the protest wow. in this moment. Yeah. I can't think of any real life protests compared to that would be horribly offensive to everyone involved. So I'm going to move on to introduce him <laughs> all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Originally, before we kicked off and you pointed out that it was an empty chair, I wasn't completely under protest because I just assumed that Glenn had reached a stage of enlightenment in which he was able to just kind of corporally, you know, disappear or just go invisible or some kind of spiritual state where he could just go into a, you know, become one with the force or something. So now that I know that he's actually not here, I also am under protest, but I want it to be logged down that I assumed he had the ability to become that enlightened. Well, he did buy this gold ring secondhand off of eBay recently. Oh, wow. Keeps calling it his precious, which seemed a little bit weird. Has Glenn gone into just wearing a loincloth and... (laughs) <laughs> eating raw fish. I mean, he bought it from this guy, Gollum14477. It had pretty good reviews. Totally, absolutely. All the fish he sold on eBay, people <laughs> like that. Also, I really like the idea of, since we're doing this in pop culture, I like the idea of Glenn, Glenn ascending to a higher plane as like a force ghost for yeah. Star Wars, but yeah. still being really snarky and angry. Oh, dude. Like when they cut to the thing and you know, it's, it's you know, at the, at the end of Empire where it's, you know, everybody's kind of beatific in the lights and Glenn's still in the back like, whatever. I would think Glenn would be like, Use the force or don't. I don't really care. I got to be clear. I would watch the heck out of any form of TV series that was Glenn the Snarky Force Ghost. Yep. I would watch Netflix. If you're listening, I would watch that show. It's like that idea of, you know, is that's I mean, if that's the whole of the ninth Star Wars movie, I'm watching just whatever (laughs) script you've got now, JJ, I know you listen, just add in just kind of a Statler and Waldorf style Glenn (laughs) being like, oh, did they build a ninth Death Star? These guys have great ideas. Just like Glenn saying, like, really, with the robe? Can I at least yeah. get some sneakers? <laughs> he somehow got an Astros branded <laughs> Jedi robe. Yes. Well, we so we ha- we're dealing with a lot is the main thing here. We are without Glenn. We're going to do a, we'll get in this uh, when we get there. We're going to do a little different format since we are without Glenn. We don't want to take too many of your queries when we don't have the uncle-like wisdom with us. But first... In the interest of public service, I must declare a dating emergency. Whoa. That's like your opinion, man. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed it is, Jedry. The thing here, and if, if you listen to the show, you may have noticed that I've, I'm, I'm soon to be married, which means not only a large change in my life, but I feel like I can be really, really smug about other people's relationships now. Oh, yeah. Now, definitionally, I've only had one successful relationship in my life. But I feel like that one just means I can go around and tell everybody how they got to do it all the time, man. Yeah. I've only been like, in I'm one not, fight. I'm not even over the finish line yet, man. We're still engaged. <laughs> I'm like, you know, let's just sit down. Yeah. I'm yeah. going up to people like a year older than me, but yeah. aren't married yet. And be like, let me break this whole thing down for you. Yeah. You get to hit yeah. them with back in my day and phrases yes. like that, man. It's the rough equivalent of someone, oh, in my case, it's the totally analogous equivalent of someone who won the lottery giving investment tips. Yes. <laughs> being like, now my thing was backing into something I didn't deserve totally out of luck and beating the odds, but let me give you some strategy here. <laughs> that being said, there are some things that people are doing out there that aren't working. Okay. I take you to a, a pizza place on the north side of this here town, Chicago. Ooh. The Big Apple, they call it. The City of Lights. I I don't think that's true. I'm pretty sure they do. Jewel the Orient, Chicago. (laughs) Where uh, my my fiance and I are, we're sitting, we're enjoying a nice slice of a local dish known as pizza. They have it everywhere. That sounds exotic. Yes, indeed But mostly in the gateway to the West, right? Yes, indeed. The gateway to the West. A hopping little town. The city by the bay, Mm. Chicago. So we're sitting down, and it's it's a la- fairly loud restaurant. There's TVs going, you see, with the football games. So you, you, one of those things where just the Doppler of you're picking up bits and pieces of lots of conversations. But I hear something that just laser focuses my ear from the table next to us with two 
people who are dressing and acting just that one level above the way people normally dress and act lets you know this may not be a first date, but it's early. Yeah, we're trying. Like we're really <laughs> swinging here. And I hear, as Jed so masterfully alluded to in his way, I hear the phrase, uh, it's a movie about this guy called Jeffrey Lebowski. Ah, you're Bonnie. Yeah, it's referring to hit, as he described it, and, you know, it has a bit of a cult following, <laughs> which is an interesting way of saying was a massively successful movie directed by incredibly renowned directors yeah. that everyone has heard of, The Big Lebowski. Um, which if you are a male between the ages of about 18 and 40, you have seen and loved. And if you're a woman between those ages who loves a man, you may have uh, watched this and thought, huh, <laughs> I may need to rethink some things. Yeah, that's I mean, it's fine. It's a movie. Not not every movie is for everybody. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but so he, he and he walks through a not undetailed description of the plot. Wow. Wow. Which, and I love the Big Lebowski, I do. There's not a lot of plot. Nope. But and this is the, but then we get to the, the real problem. Except now, you've just been describing a movie you like, which, it, it's good. It's good to show that you're interested in things. Yeah. With someone you want to be your partner. What you don't want to do is be the person who craps on everything. Sure. Because that doesn't set a good precedent either. But then we got to this moment. This was his kicker. This was, he's trying to impress <laughs> this young lady. He's trying to land it. I'm going to do my best to totally recreate the tone. Okay. I mean... I can pretty much quote the whole thing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> nope. Wow. It's not good. That's, it, that's not a brag, man. No. I wonder, Matt, at that moment, if you could pull dude aside and just as a way to oh. earn the right to be heard with him, if you were to say like something along the lines of, well, I see that you're trying to roll your way into the semis here, <laughs> but uh, bro, this isn't it. No. No. No, this isn't nom. There are rules. <laughs> I never more wanted to be able to pull a Zach Morris style timeout and just save someone from themselves. Yeah. Thank you. Be like, no. Yeah. And we want to be clear. And Jed, I think had the, had the observation of all observations on this, which I'll let him break down for you in a minute, but there's a moment of we're, we're early in a relationship. Maybe we're not even an actual, you know, uh, exclusive relationship here, but you're making your pitch. Yeah. And if you can quote the whole of the Big Lebowski, that's fine. Sure. That's wonderful. It's good to have things you like. Maybe it shows you have a sharp memory for things people say, which will come in handy. Sure. What yeah. it's not is part of your pitch. No. Jed, you did a wonderful job breaking down what the basics of the pitch should be. Sure. Can you give us those? <laughs> well, th this is the pitch that's worked for me. Hello. So I'm, I'm, I'm passing it along. The pitch begins with evaluation, which is you are massively out of my league. Hello. Right? Um, so we, we need to be honest about that. Here's the key thing. I will treat you really, really well. Right. Yep. I will totally devote myself to treating you as well as I can possibly figure out. You want a foot rub every day? You got a foot rub every day. You want a foot rub as I listen attentively as you tell me about your day every day? You got it. It may not be great at first, but I think with time, my skills can improve. The right. main thing is I will devote myself totally to treating you massively, massively well. Amen. That is a pitch. That's a pitch. Can Jed quote the entire Big Lebowski? Yes. yes. And over oh, the course yeah. of this podcast, he has. <laughs> if you stitch them all together, you can totally recreate the whole of the Big Lebowski with only Jed Brewer playing all the parts. That's pretty much true. Um, even, even the parts with Flea? Yeah. Yep. Oh, especially the parts with Flea. <laughs> there's, there's, if, you, if you unlock the secret track, there's so much slap bass happening in the background We're of this We're going to stomp show. on it and skavoosh it. We want the wisdom, Lebowski. <laughs> very nice. Thank you. Very, very nice. Uh, Jed's going to get in trouble for that German accent. Come later on. Yes, I am. But here's the thing. We, we all have things that we like, that are nerdy, that we enjoy. And, yep. and again, from three guys and Glenn, even though he would deny it if he was here, we would definitely lump him in as a fourth of liking nerdy stuff oh, yeah. in a slightly obsessive way. Here's what I've learned. I wouldn't have guessed. Uh, there's something endearing about that. Yeah. There's something where if you really, again, hit the luck of all lucks, your your beloved may turn to you and say, I don't understand professional wrestling, but you seem <laughs> to like it. And it's nice to like things. And you say, aha, ring shopping. Yeah. But here's the thing. You don't, you don't start with that. No. No. Nope. If you put a gun to my head, could I 
transcribed with about 95% accuracy. Seasons four through eight of The Simpsons. Yes, I believe that in my heart. <laughs> I believe it in my heart. But here's the thing. Not a brag. An indictment of how I spent my time in my 20s. Sure, absolutely. You have to know that about yourself. I will say this. Um, there, you know, Christy and I are at the point now where we've been married for 18 years. And uh, one helpful thing that has developed is that she fearlessly pushes the boring buzzer on me. Yep. So every now and then I'm talking about something and she just says, oh, boring. That's I'm bored. Yep. Bored now. And, yes, exactly. That's a helpful thing because even though you guys are laying down such great wisdom about what belongs in the pitch and what belongs in the adhere, endearing, adorable realm of somebody loves me and they're putting up with me, um, even though you're laying that down, we still sometimes forget and we still sometimes include the things that, that, that aren't part of the unnerd conversation. And it's very helpful when your beloved goes ahead and lets you know, I am pushing the boring buzzer now. Yeah, yeah. there's, if you're familiar with, again, to things that you should not talk about on early dates, if you have a period in your life, as lives did, rewatch a lot of ESPN, there's a show called Pardon the Interruption, now they all do it, where there's the scrolling list of topics on the side. <laughs> and when they're done with one, they just hit the button, next topic. Yeah. You got to be able to pull that ripcord. <laughs> yes. And really, to Lee's point, the thing that concerns me about the the potential relationship we are next to, and I I wish of all times I could have just gotten a business card from these people and be like, I'm just going to check in occasionally because yeah. I got to know. Yeah, uh, is she didn't stop him. That's a problem. Yeah, that's if she just said, why would you want to quote a whole movie? Yeah, <laughs> then we have hope because there's growth and there's togetherness. That's communication. Sure, absolutely. That's. See, to to Lee's very very good point. Stop talking about that. I am bored. Is effective and direct communication. Yes, it and is. helpful. It is helpful communication. It is. So here's here's the thing. Again, you gotta you gotta try to make a sale here, folks. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing. It's a positive thing to be in a in a loving, committed, healthy relationship. But uh, you, you, you gotta you gotta have an angle. Baby, you know one of my key strengths in life is taking out the trash. Like, I notice I don't wait till it's all the way full. I notice right. when it's like three quarters of the way full, and that's when I take it out. Yep. I'll tell that's you what just, I live for, doing me. the dishes at the end of the day. Oh, yeah. I'm happy to do those dishes. I'm happy to clean that coffee maker. <laughs> I'm happy to make that coffee maker ready to roll first thing in the a.m., baby. <laughs> This is a very, it's a very Liz Lemon version of a Marvin Gaye CD going on here. That's, that's right. I enjoy a lot. That's right. Um, so yeah, if if we can, uh, if we're, as we as we wind this this segment down, if I could, if I could put something out to the people, is uh, here's if you got to boil down the pitch. Yeah. Because the, these guys give you the, the really good stuff on the pitch. Maybe two actionable items you yeah. want to impress a, a young lady. We're gendering this a little bit because guys, here you do. Ask questions. Be nice to the waiter. Yeah. These are things that indicate something about who you are. Here's the thing. If you ask her a lot of questions about how things are going with her, and when the waiter comes and says, would that be all? You say, I think we're ready for the check, miss. Thank you very much. And then tip like a person. Yep. A little while down the line, when you reveal the Lebowski bomb, yeah. there'll be something else to balance it out. Yep. And yeah. balance, I think, is what's very important here. No Amen. doubt. With that, we declare emergency off. Mm. That whole time we were doing that emergency, I couldn't help notice the shrine-like um, nature of Glenn's headphones just hanging on his microphone. Yeah, we had them bronzed. While Nobody going. else used the headphones. They're just hanging there like we've retired his podcast jersey. Yeah, it's like it's like when Marshawn Lynch retired by throwing his uh, cleats <laughs> over the power lines. <laughs> Only much also like Marshawn Lynch. He's going to realize next week and that he shouldn't have done that and just come back. So there's a lot going on. Also, much like Marshawn Lynch, you're bound to find a giant bowl of Skittles right in the middle of the talking thing. Yeah, that's absolutely true. There's a lot of uh, interesting parallels there that I had not considered before. That gives us something all to think about as we head on into the Bridgebox plug. Mm. So missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Full of all sorts of good tips, like don't brag about being able to quote a whole movie that someone hasn't seen yep. on the first date. That's just, that's just good stuff. We're yeah. continuing to look here in the month of September and how to use the Bible 
looking at uh, lots of great stuff. You get sermons from Glenn and myself. You'll get songs from a rotating cast of very talented friends, including Lee, including our own Pete Lawson, including the ever-elusive Pool House Ooh, guru. Mm. All that for only $8 a month, the best way to support the work that your friends here in Chicago do and what Lee does down there in Tennessee. And, you know, if you're looking for things, you think I think I'm a little light on my first date brag pitch. You say, let me show you some of this exclusive content I got. Oh, yeah. Because I support this cool ministry. Yeah. And there you go. And now you're in the inside. It's a whole thing. So all that, missionosa.com slash bridgebox. As I mentioned before, we're going to break our normal format here a little bit. We'll be back next week answering three of your questions. And if you want to head on to the end of the episode or slide on down to the episode description, you'll see the addresses where you can send those in. But this week, we're going to deal with just one. So it's been it's been a bit of a month for mm. Christian culture in the news. Yeah. Um, so we had a question come into our email address that said this. I just read the truly sad story about Jared Wilson, a megachurch pastor, committing suicide. I'm still not overhearing the news about Josh Harris, who supposedly isn't even Christian now. And even before the recent headlines, I'd already taken a razor blade and scraped the Liberty University bumper sticker off my car. I don't want to judge any of these people, and I know they're only human, but all of them said, Hey, look at me. I know what it's all about. I've given money to these people, and I get sick to my stomach thinking about how I've never given any financial support to you guys after all you've done for me and even more people on the streets. I don't know, maybe I'm projecting my anger, but don't I have a point? Shouldn't leaders be held to a higher standard, or am I just being a jerk? So we're going to spend the rest of the episode just kind of breaking down, because there's a lot going on in this question. We didn't want to give it short shrift, and there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, what we see online when we're talking to people, just Christian culture, church stuff is at this very weird seems like a crisis point here and so but i think in all three of the events this person mentioned there was the the atlantic piece that really broke down a lot of the financial stuff at liberty university um that was hot on the heels of the josh harris thing which we discussed in previous episodes and then the jared wilson thing which happened the week we recorded this um so there's a lot to break down there the first thing i want to before i throw it to these guys i want to be very clear is we as much as these did all come in at the same time and we're going to pull some common themes from these we do want to go out of our way to point out that the Jared Wilson thing is different yeah, than yes. the rest of this. This is, uh, if you're not familiar with who he is, he was a, he was a mega church pastor in California, I believe he'd written a fair amount of stuff about mental health and talked about his own struggles. So, and he, he very sadly took his own life, uh, the week we record this left behind a church and a wife and kids. So while that certainly, and which we had the same reaction, I think as people on the table that, on some level can just go on the list of headlines about Christian stuff going terribly wrong at its base. That's a person who, who had a disease that succumbed to that disease. That's so we, we can talk about the stuff that that had about Christian culture and celebrity and all that, but we super want to be clear that we're not lumping that in with things like uh, financial malfeasance, things like, um, you know, running a church in an, in an unethical way. We're not making any assertions on that and lumping that in. So we say all that to, to, we get to this other stuff. So the lesson, the takeaway, the Jared Wilson thing, we were very clear is if you feel like you are having trouble with that, stop and get help. If you don't know how to get help, email us. We will, we will help you out. Don't push through that. Don't that that's the, the main takeaway of Jared Wilson's very sad situation. Now we're going to look at this whole collapsing kind of infrastructure of Christianness which I think, I mean, I think this is a good place to start. And Jed, I'd love to get you to start here because I think there is a, an inroad on the Jared Wilson thing because that is just on some level. And again, I'm not saying that he did this, but there's a cultural thing of you were, you as a consumer of Christian products and Christian media was offered something that doesn't seem like it works. And right. There is a, you were, may have felt like you were being offered if you just read your Bible and just commit yourself, you'd be over depression and you'll hardly be healed and all this stuff. And then that clearly didn't work out for one of the most prominent people who, again, we're not saying he said those words, but is in a culture of that. Sure. Where do we start to parse? If we're starting to question this, there's a line we've been sold and the reality we're seeing not line up with that. Mm, mm. Well, that's a really good question. And I think in a weird way, I'm, I'm going to describe a few things that at first I think are going to sound like cynicism, and uh, they're not. 
and I want you to kind of go with me for a second because I actually, I don't want to be a cynical person. I don't want you to be a cynical person. I don't think that's a, a terribly Christian viewpoint. I don't think it's good for your heart or your soul, but I'm going to... Also, we've tried it and it doesn't work. It doesn't go anywhere. That's really the key thing. But I'm going to describe some things that are going to sound cynical. So hang hang with me. Don't, don't uh, jump to that conclusion. The first is that at its base, Christian culture is a business. Mm-hmm. It is a... Um, it's a marketplace that very literally exists to sell you stuff. Mm. Um, it exists to sell you books. It exists to sell you music. It exists to sell you uh, quirky t-shirts that say things like Yokiero Jesus. Um, and a bit more of a 90s trend, but yeah, they're still out there. You know, it, it exists to sell you tickets to the latest conference. Totally. Um, but it it is a business. It, it's a collection, obviously, of a bunch of of. Uh, smaller companies, I guess, but it's a marketplace. And here's the thing about marketplaces is what drives them is not the efficacy of their product. What drives them is you buying stuff. Yep, Mm. That's it. And a lot of times it can be useful to kind of pull the camera back and look at a situation that might be parallel, but about which we have a a little bit less emotional investment. So if you want to look at, for example, the the auto industry, what drives the auto industry is you buying cars. Mm. That's what makes this thing exist. Right. It's not what drives the auto industry is not innovation that's relentless and always pushing the frontiers of automotive <laughs> technology. I mean, that makes for great advertising copy, but that's that none of that is what drives the automobile industry. It's it's you buying cars. That's that's cup holders. Exactly. Um, so if we take the idea that this is a business and that what drives a business is you buying stuff, not the efficacy of the product, then that presents us with a little bit of a dilemma. If this isn't about effectiveness, if this isn't about efficacy, then in a sense, we're kind of we're kind of agreeing to um, a fairly difficult arrangement, right? So if you could take folks from, you know, one of the top Christian publishing houses and sit them down and say, you got to be honest with me, what's the real deal? And how do you really feel about all these Christian books and whatnot? Here's what I strongly suspect they would tell you is, I hope they help people. I think along the way, probably some people get helped. We sell books for a living. What do you want? Right. I think, and in that, might they might say, I think these represent some really interesting ideas. Sure. And I think this is a dynamic young author with an Im- with an important voice. But none of that's quite the same as our goal is to help people. Exactly right. Exactly right. We sell books. That's that's again. We we hope people get helped. We we hope certainly that that happens along the way with important voices. But but we sell books. And the thing about that is. It kind of creates a dynamic, and this is one of the parts where it's going to sound a little bit cynical, where in a sense, we all kind of have to be in on it for that to work. And, and I think that's one of the things you in your um, in your question, you kind of talk like you're frustrated with yourself in addition to, to these other people. And I get that. I, I don't think you need to be frustrated with yourself, but, I, but I, I do get that. And I think part of where that frustration with yourself comes from is – Whenever we've got a marketplace that's not really about effectiveness, it's just about buying stuff, the thing is we all kind of have to buy into it for that to work because mm-hmm. um, the people that are making the products, they're not guaranteeing this stuff's going to work. Uh, I mean, they hope it does, but they're sure. they're definitely not guaranteeing it. Um, it's just like the auto industry is not guaranteeing this is the best car you'll ever drive. I mean, they hope it is, but, you know, hey, you know, get you what you get. Best car you drive might be a Hyundai Elantra. I don't know you. <laughs> This brand new, pre-owned. <laughs> All right. So they are selling you a product, but you as a consumer, because it's a marketplace, you're kind of agreeing to that. You're you're agreeing, well, I'm going to buy this thing whether it works or not. Um, I, I hope it it really turbocharges my walk and takes things to the next level, but I'm going to go to this I'm going to go to this conference whether that happens or not. And so we kind of create this unstated relationship where we're all putting up with something that is commerce, even though we're pretending like there's more to it. That's absolutely right. And you you can see a lot of that in our previous discussion about Josh, the Josh Harris stuff of this was to Jed's point about a marketplace. um, 
I'm going to try not to show too much of my political colors here. Um, The idea that a marketplace rewards what is inherently the best idea is not true. That's insane. Yeah. Like McDonald's does not make the best hamburger. They make a ton of money. Walmart does not offer the best shopping experience. Nope. You can give, (laughs) but they are successful due to a combination of market market share and strategies and ways they deliver that product. And we're not here to necessarily talk that none of that's inherently bad, but it's not the same as this kind of middle school economics textbook idea of Jim opens a grocery store on this corner and Joe opens a grocery store on that corner. And because Jim offers better produce at a better price point, his survives the market better. That's, that's not really a way that works. You're being marketed to. And Jed, I'd love to, before we throw to Lee here, I'd love to get you both like this, but do you have one more thing on this before we transition out? Well, I was just going to say real quick, that's the idea of, you know, uh, it's not a meritocracy. Nowhere is that more true than in media. Yeah. Uh, that's, it's the most true in media that it is not a meritocracy that drives the marketplace. Yeah. There's a really interesting thing on that in the sense of there's also no price point differential. Yeah. Like I would, I would love to uh, drive a, an Alfa Romeo Julia. Sure. Um, I can't afford one, so I'm not going to. But you buy a ticket to a movie, you can go to any movie. Yeah, they exactly. all cost $12. Same with books. So it's you have to do even more to differentiate yourself. You can't really have a luxury market yeah. in that way. And so, Lee, as we bring in, in marketing on this, and whether that be the, the book you bought by the guy who's not Christian anymore or the money you may have given to you know a cause headed by someone who turned out to be crooked or whatever, I think we, we really want to explore Jed's point here about the shame of that on a personal level because there's this idea that I got got. Mm. And that is something that says something about me and I should have seen it. And we've tried to talk about that before. There's this idea that you've been effectively marketed to, but where, where do we land with this idea of I bought into something that didn't, that wasn't what it claimed to be and didn't help me. Where do you move on from that to? That's a really, really good question. I, I, as I start to answer this, I want to make sure that I say this, with a lot of clarity, and that is, if you feel like you've been got on that thing, you've been sucked into the marketing, you've bought the line, you have a shelf full of books, and you have uh, giving receipts from organizations that turn out to be crooked, or whatever the thing is, or you were into some celebrity um, Christian, and then they walked away from it, and now you're wondering, you're left wondering how to feel. You should know that you are not the only one. The reason that person was a celebrity, the reason the book was as widely distributed as it was, was that they have told this story to a lot of people. And let me be really clear. I have had these experiences in my Christian walk as well. Um, the, the story that I bought into, the person whose life I followed, all of that kind of stuff, the, the person whose, whose words I listened to and, you know, whose outrages I became outraged by and all of those things and whose emotional, you know, uh, pitches I, I listened to and, and became swayed by and all of those things because we are highly susceptible to a story. The problem is, is that, that, all of these folks that are selling us something, this is, and this is the really, really sucky part, is that they are using something that is something that's real and is supposed to be something that we do follow and are a part of and are giving ourselves to. And they co-opt that with this message. Again, I, I want to come right alongside Jed and say, I, I know that this sounds cynical. I, that's not where we want to land with this, but we have to dip our toe into this into some murky waters uh, that, that may feel like cynicism, because the truth is that people have taken something that is true, deep, real, and asks for our loyalty, obedience, and service, and they have attached that to their personal gains. That sounds really cynical, but it's actually exactly what's happened to us. And people have very shrewdly known how to tell us a certain kind of story so that we will go with them. And then yep. it turns out that that they weren't sincere or that or that they I don't know that they they had a crisis in their own life. I, I don't even want to judge those people. A, a lot of times, there's an entire boardroom of other folks behind these celebrities, and they get taken in as much as the rest of us got taken in. 
you know, sometimes you have people that were writing some songs and then they were playing some shows and then they were promoting themselves and then they have a machine behind them and maybe they were driving that machine or maybe a label was driving that machine, but all together it becomes this thing that gets out of the realm of their own kind of ability to steer it. And we all get sucked in together. That whole thing to say, you're not the only one. And, and if the feeling that, if you get to a place where you realize, oh man, I've been duped. Um, you need to know that this is not because uh, you weren't paying attention. It's not because you, uh, you know, you you weren't shrewd or anything like that. They were telling us all a story. The bummer about this whole thing is, um, I, I was reading a guy who was, you know, he was just, you know, a, a pastor for a long time, and and you know, he wrote a lot of books. wasn't like a celebrity pastor or anything like that. But one of the things that he said is that every uh, Christian who is given a position of leadership has a decision to make, which is whether they want to be a celebrity or a servant. He said that this is a binary choice, that we have to decide, do, we, do, you, do you want to become a celebrity or a servant? And the problem is that our, this Christian culture will very easily elevate people. We want to look at people. We want it helps if those people are easy on the eyes. It helps if those people are effective communicators. If they know how to string a sentence together, or if they sing a pretty tune. But it's so easy for us to follow somebody, and we have to be very careful about that. It's so, and that that's not on you that that you know that you gave money to a thing, or that you that you bought a bunch of books, or a bunch of CDs, or or downloads, or or whatever the thing is. We were effectively marketed to. But that's because there was a boardroom somewhere where our faith got co-opted into something that somebody wanted to sell us. The thing that I would say to push on from that, now that we've realized where we are, is, um, and, and we've answered questions like this on the podcast before, but what I want to do now that my eyes are open is I want to make sure that anybody that I listen to, or anybody that I financially support, or anybody that I'm... Uh, taking my advice from or my counsel from or somebody like that. I want to be able to see what they have done. I want to be able to see that they have done the things that they're talking about doing, that they, I want to see the way that they are walking out their life. And I want to be able to see that preferably locally. I want somebody in my community that I'm walking alongside who knows me, knows my life, knows what's going on. And I want to be able to see the ways that they are serving in, in the, either the global community or the local community or whatever. I want to make sure that the, per, the people that I support, the people that I listen to, and the people that I follow are people who are doing what they're talking about. I had a really, really good point and a really important way of breaking down the the anger aspect of that. Um, Jed, let's 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 stay on anger because okay. we like anger. Um, it's one of the five emotions. <laughs> um, but real quick, I'd love to get you to break down. So I think leader, you and Lee both did a great job of dealing with that anger with yourself. Yeah. What about this anger towards these other people? Okay. And again, we're gonna, we're going to separate the Jared Wilson thing out because if you're angry at a guy for committing suicide, you have deep and profound problems that you should, I'm not actually joking. You should see a therapist if that's yeah. your, your response to someone taking their own life. But, uh, with the Josh Harris thing, mm-hmm. we've talked about that. Take it with the Falwell thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, uh, yeah, you know, people accused of doing some pretty unchristian stuff while being a quote unquote Christian celebrity. So uh, as our, I think our question editor points out, I don't think that anger's wrong, No, but how do we stop? So the, the I think, a lot of people may feel as Lee described a binary choice there. I'll give you a binary choice. I think a lot of people fall into. Yeah. Let you guys help us find something else. Um, either burning with anger. Yeah. In the sense of anger defines my relationship with church and God stuff. Now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am angry at everything about that, mm-hmm. which is not great. Or, and it's a similar outcome, anger giving way to despair. Right. How do we do so? How do we work through the anger in a way that we can get back to something healthy for our own selves? That's a great question. I think that in order to do that, at least part of that journey means working through how the heck this happened. Um, I think having a sense of of understanding will help us get to a place of when we have a box to put things in, we can have more peace about them. So I think there's two things that I would encourage you to look at that that are true of um, both the Liberty University stuff and of the Josh Harris stuff. The first is 
again, we're talking about, in essence, media, because for most people, that's how you, you interact with this. And the thing about any form of media that you consume is there's always a little bit of make-believe going on there. Uh, and, and we should all know that, right? So, like, James Corden's yeah. a funny dude, um, and he's he's a talented guy. He has a team of writers. So it, it's – on the show, it seems like he's just that funny, just like all the time. Just funny things occur to him, <laughs> which may be true like 5%, but what's 95% true is he has a team of writers, and there's an overall product that is the James Corden show. And so there's a little bit of make-believe where we feel like it's this one dude who's just supernaturally funny, even though that's not exactly true. Well, in the same way, I think that's a great point because it ties back to both what Lee was saying about the stories and what we were saying earlier about the meritocracy. Uh, we often joke amongst ourselves that uh, if you listen to any band talk about how they got signed, they all just happen to be jamming out and an incredibly powerful record executive just drove by. Yep. Wow. Or just was happened to be in the back of one of their shows. Yep. And that's almost certainly not true. Yep. Um but it's a great story sure. and it's good promotion and it doesn't really affect the music. So it's fine. But I think as, as you're pointing out the, the the problem, if we take the Christian thing is if you heard that and decided I want to be a musician and I want to do that well. So my plan is to just play really loud in my garage right? and maybe I'll buy a house near a large thoroughfare Yeah, because that's how they did it. That's now exactly we have right. a problem yes. because we haven't given that pinch of salt. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. If you look at Christian stuff, right? I, I think it's fair to say that most megachurch pastors, the guy that's actually doing the preaching on Sunday morning, he has a team of writers. Like this dude doesn't just off the top of his head on his own, no super smart things to say about everything. This is, this is a packaged uh, production. And so it, it's very easy to go from that, take it with a grain of salt thing. You know, there's nothing really lo- wrong with the story of how this band got signed. It's not true, but it's it's a fun story to kind of want to believe. And maybe there's 2% truth somewhere in there. Yeah, concept. a record executive came to their show and was blown away. It's because they sent, you know, demos to 7,000 record executives. Yeah. But that part's not fun, so we skip it. Absolutely right. But we can begin to apply that to our Christian walk of these people are presenting this thing to me where, so, for example, this is just a, an example I'm making up, oh, you know, off the top of my everybody head. Everybody likes fiction. Uh-huh. Yes. Is, well, I was super pure before I got married, and then, bam, great marriage. Woohoo! So, yeah. uh that wouldn't be true for anyone. Certainly wouldn't be biblical. Certainly wouldn't be biblical. <laughs> and if we were to take that and say, well, it, that's how he had an awesome marriage. I'm going to have an awesome marriage that way too. Now we have a huge problem. Yep. But the thing that I'm pointing to is it's not a black or white thing of who's lying to me and who's not. All media is a little bit make-believe. I mean, I mean all of it. There, there's, mm. you know... Um, uh, we use some processors, it's boring technical stuff, but we use some processors that make it easier for you to hear our voices when you listen to this podcast. Yes. Right? Um, this is not 100% what our natural voices sound like. I'm telling you that our voices are a lie. What? Again, all media has some make-believe in it. Jed has a thick Boston accent in real life if you ever meet him. It's very, <laughs> it's it's going to throw you for a loop. Exactly right. So, but it's a continuum where we go from, oh, that's harmless, that's harmless. Well, that's mostly harmless. Well, that's probably not great. Okay, now we're complete. Okay, well, that's way, now you're just lying to me. But again, that it's not a black or white thing. It's a continuum. And it's it's easy. The thing about continuums is it's so easy to slide from a place that's relatively fine to a place that's relatively not. That that leads to the second dynamic, which is really important to know here, which is, again, we're leaving Jared Wilson completely out of this. But if you look at the other two examples that you brought up, power, money, and prestige are incredibly seductive things. Yeah. Yep. Incredibly seductive things. If you offer somebody power, money, and prestige, and you say, all you need to do is fudge things a little bit. Sure. You know, uh, you know I mean, we're not, we're not talking about anything wrong here. But just, you know, I mean, uh, what if, what if, just for instance, instead of saying, generally speaking, it would probably be good to have physical boundaries before you get married. It's a lot of words. It's, it's a lot of words. What if we just, you know, what if we just boil that down to be, poor, be pure, get good marriage? How about oh, that? Oh, that's snappy. It's snappy, plus I'm going to give you a pile of money if you do that. I like piles <laughs> of things. Well, sir, I believe we have a deal in principle. Woohoo! 
Okay. Now that's not to excuse anything. And it certainly doesn't erase the pain that many, many people have gone through because of that. But it does say one of these things of, dude, I think, you know, there's the old phrase there, but for the grace of God, go I. I think for most of us, if we're honest with ourselves in our heart of hearts, if you say, I'm going to give you money and power and prestige and notoriety, and all you got to do is, you know, be a little loose with a few things and, you know, whatnot. Man, would it be easy to do that same thing, to take those same wrong steps and to wind up in a place. This is the thing about it being that sliding scale and that continuum where you started off taking, you know, a a little bit of money for something that's, well, it's it's a little bit of a stretch. But down the road, we're taking a lot of money for something that bears no resemblance to reality. (laughs) That's how these things tend to work. doesn't make them any less wrong, but in terms of dealing with that anger element, it does give us a hint of how we can have a sense of of where to put these things, how to explain them to ourselves. That's great. Lee, you got something to jump in there with? Yeah, only that, you know, uh, and and even for the guy that winds up being the author of of this deal, you know, a lot of times the pitch from the end of that boardroom is you are a star and you have this huge heart and you have something to say to people. And so we just want to get you the stage. So let's do this now just so that we can get you to the place where you can do all this meaningful work later. All that to say, these things happen in in such small little stages to where it's like, it's almost like everybody gets taken in because exactly what Jed said, it's the, that power, the prestige and the money thing. It, it just gets into everybody, right? I mean, this is just, this happens in little stages so that everybody winds up getting duped, not just us. Yeah. That's absolutely right. I'm I, we're going to go on to our next point here, but I'm going to say this as by way of a bridge because I think it's, it's a good thing. So I'm gonna give you two verses here and we'll talk about how they, how they, uh, join up. So the first one you've probably heard is Romans twelve nineteen. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So do not take revenge because God's is the wrath. So let's uh, pause on that. Then we'll, uh, we're going to flip to Hebrews 13. Where it says, verse 17, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Um, that that Hebrews verse particularly gets abused in a lot of ways. We've, we've heard tell of pastors and parents and teachers and all sorts of people saying, breaking that down as you have to do, you have to do what I tell you, or I'm going to get in trouble with God. So as like a guilt maneuver, it's not really what it means. i be brutally honest with you. I don't know what that verse means, really. I think about it a lot because, and I'm, one of four staff people, the juniorest of them, for an organization that has a budget you could find in your couch cushions. <laughs> but the Bible says that because of that, because I wanted this job, on Judgment Day, I'm going to have to account for something. I don't really know what that means. But when you take that anger, and we talk to, to guys who work with in jail about this, who have had, on a personal level, just horrific things visited upon them from systemic and friends and family and enemies and all that. And it's don't take revenge because you have to let God sort that out. It's the only way to let go of anger. So when you say, I think you're right say, I, I feel like anger is not a right emotion. We talk a lot on the show about how emotions aren't right or wrong, but I know what you mean by that. And you say, but all these people kind of open their big fat mouths, whether it be in the marketing or on the way there to say, I'm the guy who knows how it goes down. Look at me. Look at me indeed. <laughs> So there's, it's, it's, it seems a little harsh, but when you join that part of God says, don't burn with that anger because he's, he takes care of all these things. And he's the one who sets a, a part of what you probably feel. What I, I feel, I think as people all say feels there's a lot of injustice around this stuff. You say, well, mm-hmm. these people are so crooked and they hurt so many people and they're still rich and they're still seemingly very successful and all that. And there's people, you know, it take it took, uh, I think I can speak for myself. Maybe those of us who do this kind of work who don't have any amount of wealth or notoriety of that to get over the injustice of that because, A, none of these people are happy. I can uh, give you a peek on that one. Uh, but also because the Lord's got the Lord's got to be the one to sort all this out when it comes to uh, that, that type of injustice. So, But when you combine that with 
what we know from Hebrews, as I've, I've said to people in my personal life about this, I don't know what that means, but I know that means there are people I don't want to be standing next to <laughs> at the yeah. ending of all things. So whatever anger you have with them, you, you can feel free to let that go without that idea, as we're talking about, of just, that's not the same as just surrendering to the injustice in a cosmic sense. There, there is going to be a, a spiritual level of closure on that. So it's something to, to look at and pray through. And let's, so let's take it to that leader's point. Leah, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up here because yeah, we actually have several different types of folks we're talking about here. Yeah. So we have uh, people who did take the term pass, did take the title pastor. Um, Jerry Falwell Jr. with Liberty University did not, has never, and actually made a point in the interview, uh, the, the, the article that was in the Atlantic of saying, I am not a pastor. I am a real estate developer who got hired as the head of a university. And it's weird, but most universities have massive real estate holdings. That's part of their business yep. model. Uh, Christian, secular, public, private. If you look up who owns the most land in your town, if there's a decent sized university in it, it's probably them. Yep. So that's kind of a weird thing. We've also got, as we mentioned, there are people, worship leaders, a Hillsong yeah. guy was involved in that recently came out talking about not being Christian anymore, but he, he may have been like the worship pastor or somewhere, but musicians and that kind of thing. So somewhere along the lines, we got Christian celebrity and pastoral person all kind of mingled up. Yeah. So one of the lessons I think going forward here is we need to, we need to pull those apart and we talk about that a lot on the show. So I think people understand that as you, as you pointed out earlier, you want someone who is in your life, who knows you. That's, yeah. that's gotta be your pastor. Your pastor has to shepherd you, but let's talk about what's the right role for someone who is a media figure, be that author, speaker, singer. Cause we all have, you know, uh, Christian authors and songwriters and thinkers who, who their work means a ton to us, but we don't put them in the same category or the same type of influence as someone who has spoken into our lives, but that doesn't mean they haven't had a huge positive impact and we haven't learned a lot from their work. So how do we go about putting that in the right box? If there's a person who makes something that I get a lot out of, but that's not the same as having a relationship with this person. How do we do that? Okay. I, I, that is a really, really sharp question. And I think it's a really difficult thing to answer. And the reason is because we are so inundated with celebrity, and we're so yeah. fascinated by celebrity. So, I'm, you know, frankly, I think the right answer is if somebody that knows Jesus writes a song that helps you, then the, the thing that you should give that person is exactly the 99 cents that that song costs. That's yep. basically it. I mean, you know, I, I would even hesitate to give them the Twitter follow. Who knows what you're going to find out when you start seeing their, you know, random thoughts at at 3:50 p.m. or whatever when they when there was some stimuli. I mean, I, mm-hmm. who knows. Um I think that if somebody writes a song that's helpful to me, then I want to purchase the song and then I can listen to it. The trouble that we get into is that when we take when we say, okay, now I'm going to elevate this person as my guru, and then they are going to let you down, period. Set a clock. They're going to let you down. They're going to say something that's disappointing. They're going to say something that's confusing. Because the, the truth is, they are a struggling sinner who's trying to figure out how to walk this thing out, just like you are. They may be performing uh, live. They may be selling out concerts. They may be um, – somebody may be shoving a microphone in their face. But that doesn't mean they have any right to that microphone. It doesn't mean that they understand anything about counseling. It doesn't mean they understand anything about nuanced issues of the day. It doesn't mean any – the only thing it means is that they've put some nice words together with a beautiful melody, and it encouraged you maybe about your walk with Jesus. That's a lovely thing. But it doesn't mean that they need to be elevated to any sort of role, sort of pastoral or counseling role in your life. That's a troubling thing because we so easily elevate people to that celebrity status role. There's a place in uh, Matthew chapter 23 where Jesus said, but you are not to be called rabbi, for you have only one master and you are all brothers and sisters. Don't call anyone on earth father. 
For you have only one Father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called to be called teacher, for you have one teacher, the Christ. The greatest among you will be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. These are words that the, earlier, if you were to rewind the show, when Jed's talking about the uh, the machine behind Christian media, um, these words would have nothing to do with what drives their business. Yeah. Um, what Jesus is saying is, you have one father and you have one teacher. Your father is in heaven. Your teacher is the Christ. Everybody else is on the same level. That is something that, to be frank, most people don't believe. They, they don't act like it. They don't, they don't they, you know, they, they throw around loyalty. They throw around money. They throw around uh, time and microphones and everything. But Jesus said, you've got one teacher and you've got one father. Everybody else is, is our brothers and sisters. We're on the same level. And so I think that the key on this is somebody writes a good book, enjoy the book. But don't expect that person to be your Messiah. Somebody writes a great song, enjoy that song. Be encouraged by that song. Don't make that person your teacher. I think one of the problems that we have is like Christian culture oddly like downplays, like if somebody goes to counseling, for instance, somebody just decides, I'm gonna, I need to go talk to someone, so I'm gonna go get some counseling. That's like a thing that they would be for a lot, in a lot of Christian cult, uh, circles, they would be ashamed to tell the people in their church. I'm going to counseling. Everybody's like, oh, really? What's going on? It's like, nothing. I just need to talk to somebody. But we think, well, uh, you know, this, let me just give you this book instead from this person that you don't know, who's this megachurch pastor in some other city that's a thousand miles away from where you live. It's like, no, I don't need to read somebody's book about this issue. I just need to talk to someone who has some training in this thing that I need to talk about. Um, but we have this odd way of elevating pastors as if they know everything. They are, in our minds, for some reason, the pastor or the musician or this you know, 22-year-old worship leader is somehow, in our minds, equipped to answer every question <laughs> about um, our emotional health or about uh, our relationships or about our past and our, and, and our hang-ups and about politics and about everything. And these people are not trained to do this, especially, especially, let me underline this and highlight it um, and put it in neon lights especially our 20-year-old worship leaders. They are not equipped to have some of the conversations that people are elevating them to have. And so we need to look at these people as our brothers and sisters, and then we need to go to the people that are actually equipped professionals to handle the, con the kinds of conversations about the deep and nuanced things that we're actually going through. That's absolutely right. And Jed, is there anything you'd add to this, this discussion, this really good stuff Lee's given us here about kind of the proper context of this kind of stuff as someone who a big part of your work for the entire time you've worked with this organization has been making media that does impact people, but that's different than pastoring them. So very much so again, if we're, we're, we're going to assume high quality stuff. We're going to yeah. do stuff that I like and made me feel something and maybe unlocked something for me, but it is at the end of the day, just a song, just a book. Yep. So if we're not going to, make that person our new spiritual leader. Yep. What do we do with that good thing we have now? The good thing being the book or the song or the feeling it gave us maybe. So I was really, so I was having a problem and I read this book or I listened to the song and it made me feel a lot better. It made me think about this thing in a new way. If I'm not going to follow the dude who wrote it, or as you're pointing out, maybe the team of people who wrote it yep. and call them all Rabboni but I had this thing. This made me feel better. This yeah. made me think about that. What do I do with that that feeling now? That's a great question. Okay, so this is um, this is another of those go with me for a second kind of things. But the thing about all commercial media, Christian or not, it's the most true of music. I think it's true of all of it, but it's definitely true of all forms of music. People are selling you what marketers would refer to as a lifestyle brand. So when you, um, if you're a fan, say, of Taylor Swift, who's a really good example of this, it's not just in general that you like an isolated Taylor Swift song. It's that in your mind, there's a kind of life that Taylor Swift lives and that you, by being a fan of her music, it's like by proxy, you get to live a little bit 
of that super cool Taylor Swift light. It's kind of a ready-made identity. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that is just as true in Christian stuff as it is anywhere else. Um, if you can dig it, and I'm actually not trying to beat up on him here, if you ever tune into any K-Love radio station, uh, which is the main Christian conglomerate in the U.S., that is a lifestyle brand. They are, in every sense, they are marketing you like a holistic view of your life and your identity and, and, and who you are. And again, all music really is marketed that way, whether we're aware that that's going on or not. But here's the funny thing is there's a huge difference from buying into a bit of a lifestyle brand, which everybody does to some extent, versus saying, I am building a certain kind of life for myself and I am looking for tools on that journey. When we say I am building a certain kind of life for myself, it actually changes the dynamics very strongly in a couple of key ways that tie both into media, but also everything Lee was just saying a moment ago. The first thing is if you're trying to build a specific kind of life for yourself, one of the first things you find is in person is always better than online or through a media channel. Right. So if you... You want to learn you want to learn how to play the piano. It is infinitely better to find a piano teacher where you live who will sit down with you and look at your hands and help you sort this out. Infinitely better than getting a piano teacher online or buying the learn to play piano DVD set. Um those things if you have no other options they're better than nothing, but it's infinitely infinitely better to have a person in your real life who can sit down with you and look at what your hands are and are not doing and help to correct it that's that's the first thing that we find the second thing that we find is that we often need to make again we're building a certain kind of life for ourselves we often need to make certain attitudinal changes on ourselves really in order to get to the place that we're trying to go to and that Media sometimes can be helpful in that. It can also sometimes be harmful. It, it, it really all depends. But that all of this is um, in relation to the journey that we're on. A really good example of this is people that are in addiction recovery, right? They are in every way trying to build a new life for themselves. I am trying to build a life of sobriety where I am changing my people and my places and my things all at once. And I am learning to face my problems head on. This yeah. is the kind of life that I'm trying to build for myself. Okay, again, one of the things we want to note is in-person's always better. It's like an AA meeting that you physically go to is going to be way, way better than um, just reading the big book of AA. So there, there's that. But it also means that I could hear a song that helps get me oriented into the kind of attitude that I am trying to have as a part of this addiction recovery journey. So Matt, you rightly point out, I've spent a lot of years now making media, but the thing that I really, really do is I make tools for people. Mm -hmm. That's actually what, what our whole team does is if you're in addiction recovery, this is a piece of media that will reinforce this attitude that you are working on, that will reinforce and undergird this perspective that you are trying to adopt. If you're not on that journey, it's hopefully just a nice song. I, I hope you like it. But it's really for a very, very specific kind of person on a very specific kind of, of journey. Otherwise, it's just a song. So. When we say, I, you know, what, what do I do with the idea that I, um, I heard this song and it turns out the people behind it were kind of weirdos, but you know, I had a, a nice feeling about it. Enjoy the nice feeling. But right. again, turn that focus to what am I trying to build in my own unique life rather than buying into a lifestyle brand that's being marketed to me? What's the kind of life I actually want to build for myself and what will, what are the tools that will help me do that. There may be some books in that toolbox. There may be some songs in that toolbox. There's going to be a lot of in-person stuff in there for sure. But if I orient everything to the journey that I specifically am on, I'm going to be able to sort out a lot of this much more easily. Amen. Uh, that's absolutely right. And as, as a way of closing this out, I, want, I do want to bring this back. There's the part, the, the our friend who emailed in said, you know, I get sick because I think about all the, the money I gave to these people and I've never given you guys anything. Uh, we we do this show and all our stuff for exactly the the thing Jed pointed out there. Um, this the the amazing things we hear from people listening to the show, and that's uh, the whole gambit of this could be this is young people, this is people who are in professional ministry, people who do volunteer stuff, people who work nine to five jobs, people who are stay at home parents, people who are the whole deal. Those are amazing people who are doing their thing, trying to figure something out. 
And that's why the show is formatted the way it is. We don't say, here's the here's the amazing thought we had this week. It's, you wrote something in, you were having a struggle, we help you out with that. That's right. kind of our whole deal. That's based on our bridge service. That's that's how that works. The, the people who choose to maybe get a little extra with Bridgebox or become regular financial supporters and join us on that journey, we, we want and we truly believe that that is a, a separate blessing and we want that to be a positive experience in and of itself. This... This show is not a, f- a fundraising tool. This is something for you guys. So A, that is to say, don't feel bad about that. But B, that is to say, that is the way we want you to use this and the way we want you to use everything that you come out on that. You know, you read, because also the temporalness of this has to be, as, as Jed's saying, you know, you're having a hard day and you turn on Spotify, turn on the radio, and you hear that one song. It may not be that that song is the best song in the history of songs. Nope. But there was a moment there and you needed something and that slotted in there and that was what it was. And that doesn't go away if the guy who wrote that song decided he's post-Christian to whatever that means. And in the same way, if you have, if you got, got, as we uh, would put it here in, you know, the sunshine city of Chicago, uh, the Wappy Dop, (laughs) if you got hit on that, it, because that, person who pulled that off turns out to be a total creep doesn't actually say anything about you in the sense of, Oh, that's the kind of person who can get one over on me, some kind of buffoon or somebody's trying to figure this out. It's just, it happens to everybody. And what I want to leave you with, and the reason I brought up the giving thing is there's almost always a positive to take from all this stuff. So let's say you're somebody who got on the Josh Harris thing and it really had some negative consequences. There's still a kernel of that, of, you wanted a good answer to your relational life and you were willing to put a strategy towards it. It ended up being a real dumb strategy, but you didn't know that because you were a kid. That's fine. Uh, Let's take the money example. You know, somebody asked for money and they say, you know, we're doing this for the kids and we're fighting a culture war or whatever thing they they gave you. And you said, well, that seems important. At whatever point you were in your life and you, you gave them 20 bucks, you gave them a hundred bucks or whatever. And it turned out to be totally crooked. Let's not focus only on totally crooked and lose sight of the fact that you wanted to support something that was important. You thought was important at the time. Um, I give you a very, very quick example. So we, we live uh, in, sh- in a, an outlying uh, area of Chicago where it's pretty nice, but there's, you know, this train, the, the L train comes out here. So we do get a fair number of like panhandlers and people out here. So I was, I was walking around in Oak Park one day and a, a gal came up to me who looked to be pregnant. Very, I know the look of someone who's been on the street who was real and said, I did a thing and I'm pregnant and I'm trying to get, there's a train, commuter train that runs out here. So I'm trying to get to South Bend to see my mom and I'm X amount short on the train tickets. One of those things that I said, and this is not, again, it's not me being a good person. So that's not the point of the story. So don't feel like I'm bragging. In that moment, it was one of those moments of I wanted to say no. I wanted to say, you're prob- this is probably crooked, and this is my problem. And I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I wish it would said something uplifting, but it mainly said, this was a Monday, so you're going to go preach tomorrow, having left what you may know to be a pregnant woman bereft in the streets? Is that what you're going to try to pull off? And as I often say to the Holy Spirit, I said, no. I pulled my wallet and handed her 20 bucks and said, it's, it should be enough to get you a ticket and anything. So wonderful story, right? I did a good thing. Ha ha. Two weeks later, I see this same woman in the neighborhood. We're having the bridge very notably high, very notably not pregnant. So I feel a little foolish here because I got got. And if anybody should know better, it should be me. I've been doing this for a while. And this was a full on, tug at the heartstrings. She knew how to get me. But what I really felt in that moment and the uh, the bit of wisdom I want to give you is, you know what, what really happened here is I saw someone who I, for for the best of my understanding was having a hard time and I tried to help him out. Amen. I think God, I think God's okay with that. Do I want to be smarter about that in the future? Absolutely. Do I'm not going around giving out cash because that's not a good strategy. But I really wanted to make an effort. I really felt Lord tugging on me that moment say, don't lose the fact of there was a good thing here. So if you bought the book or gave money to the person or listened to the record, if it didn't work out in that way, 
don't lose sight of the fact that so, you wanted to do something good and you went down the avenue to do that. Now, hopefully be that, you know, people you're sitting down with, uh, books that are a little better, this podcast, whatever it is, or somebody say, I want to do something in a more effective way. That's great. We spend all day, every day thinking about how we can do our thing more effectively to stretch what people support us give. But let's not lose the fact of there was a good thing in there that someone else led astray. You didn't, there's nothing to feel foolish about. There's nothing to feel ashamed about. There's nothing to feel angry at yourself about, though all those emotions will come up. You wanted to pursue a better walk for yourself. You wanted to help people who were doing something that they convinced you was important. Those are good things. Those are things God sees in you and wants to honor. Things we see in you want to honor, and we want to help you get, do that in a better way. So if you have questions on that or anything else, we'll be back to our normal setup next week. Say that podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Take the song this week. This is from our sister program, The Bridge Loud. Yeah. Featuring uh, Knoxville, Tennessee's own Walker Perry. This is a version yes. of him. How firm a foundation. And take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast. Glenn, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> Sufficient shall be your supply